the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. church. How are you doing today? Most of you look pretty good. I'm going to start, I'm, I'm start a message with a lie, okay? I'm on my own then. I'm just going to go with, you decide whether or not that applies to you, okay? I was careful to make sure I was looking down the center of the aisle when I said most of you, all right? You know what you saw in the mirror this morning. Doing okay? Turn your Bibles with me if you would. To Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse fourteen. the message today is, are we asking the wrong questions? I want to start by reading just the first word. If. If. Could you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, I, I need you today. I know that you have placed this on my heart. If I could share it just a small measure in the way that you've shared it with me, Father. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here. I ask you to do what you do so well, and that is to guide us into truth. We live in a world that is so deceived and there is so much deception, Father. We need the light of truth to set us free. Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. As I look around the room, there's probably just a, a couple of people here that have lived longer on this planet than I have. And I, I, I can tell you that I don't know that I've ever lived in a time that there are so many questions. There's always been questions. I'm not sure that I've ever lived in a time when there's been so many. If you've ever watched a, a police show on television, you will sometimes see when police officers engage a, uh, a suspect or engage a suspect, they will engage that suspect by yelling. And they will be rapid with their statements to that individual and on purpose they will give contradictory commands 
If you've ever watched those shows, you might get frustrated. Hands in the air, hands on the back of your head. Kneel down, come this way. How many know what I'm talking about? And they're yelling, and they're, they're, it's just forceful. And if there's more than one officer, they're yelling different things. Stand still, come here. That's all intentional. The intention is to confuse the individual so the individual cannot respond with a plan or a thought. It's to scatter the thought processes of this individual intentionally so that they cannot respond to what's going on and potentially then pose a threat. And so the commands come quickly and they're contradictory and the individual can't think and and there's yelling and there's confusion. There's even a stun grenade. It doesn't hurt anybody. It's just the loud noise and the flash. I added to the screaming and the hollering. It, it, it causes an individual to freeze. And I, I'm convinced that we are right now living in a time when the enemy is doing the same thing to this world and to the church. I don't know in my lifetime if I've ever seen the church so divided. Good thing we have Facebook. We can sort it all out. Those in the world are asking questions about the pandemic. Is it real? Is it not real? Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Am I going to die? Am I not going to die? Should I stay in my home? Should I go out? Is this a plot by the government? Is this an attack by the Chinese? If you don't wear a mask, but I do, are you going to kill me? Does this medicine work? Does that medicine work? Is this a one-off or is this thing coming back? Is there a second wave coming? Do we need to be careful? Do we need to just go out and live our lives? People are asking questions about the economy. I see advertisements shoved in my faces, my face, about the coming economic boom and how to get into it. Followed by the next ad saying, are you ready for the next depression? Buy this, sell that. Get ready for a rocket ship to retirement glory. Are you about to lose it all? Are we going to come back from this most unprecedented economic collapse or are we stuck here forever? We don't in this country even know if our president is of God or of the devil. We don't know in this country, are the Democrats good people? Are the Republicans good people? Are they all bad? Do we need a new party? Questions. George Floyd. Was he the victim of an angry cop or was he the victim of a racist cop? Was he a victim? 
Are we a racist country or are we not a racist country? Do we hate or do we not hate? Does the attitude of that cop reflect the attitude of America? People are asking those questions. The church is asking questions. In addition to all of those questions, the, the church has asked probably the most number one question my wife and I have heard through our decades of ministry. What is God's will for my life? Second most asked question is, how do I hear from God? Why does God let bad things happen? Why does God, God not heal everybody? Those are questions that are often asked. And I think we, we are finding ourselves right now in a place it's almost as if the cops have kicked down the front door and they're yelling with the intention to distract. There's a verse of scripture that gives us a glimpse into the method of operation of the enemy and it tells us that through the abundance of his words, he seeks to wear out the saints of God. Anybody feeling wore out lately with just the questions? Summer's here. We, we should be planning picnics and camping trips. And it just seems like every time you turn around, it's something new. Remember that feeling when 9-11 happened? And the feeling the next morning? And it almost seems like, to somewhat lesser degree, but more often we're, we're, we're having those 9-11 type days. We, we know that the world has questions, and we know that the church has questions. But when God sees everything going on, does he have a question? Some would say God has all the answers. But does God have any questions? If we go back to our text, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if you understand the English language, there is a question that introduces this whole verse. It's the only thing in this whole verse that's questioned. If. It's an if-then proposition. If you come here, I'll give you $10. The question of the $10 is no question. It's, an, it's a fact. The question is, will, will you come here? The question is implied. If, then. If you pay your bills on time, you'll probably end up with a good credit score. If you drink water, you're probably not going to be thirsty. If you're tired and go to sleep, you'll probably not wake up sleepy. If, then. 
God starts this verse with an if. It's the only question in the whole verse. It's the only part of the verse that is in doubt. Everything after that is an absolute. Who's the question being asked to? If my people... The subject of the question is my people. I I want the church to hear something this morning. God is not looking for the mayor of Streetsboro. He is not looking for Governor DeWine, and he's not looking for Donald Trump, and he's not looking for NATO, and he's not looking for the world organizations to fix the problems of the world. He is not looking for whites to quit being racist, He's not looking for blacks to quit being racist. He's not looking for cops to all be good. He's not looking for men to be men and women to be men, women. He is looking for his people. His, his focus and vision is not divided. He is not going to fix this world through anybody else except his people. If my people, and he, he then takes it even further, not just those who name the name of Jesus, not just those who call themselves Christian, my people, which are called by my name. You see, we, we get a new name potentially only two times in life. Number one, when we are born into a family, we are given a name. Secondly, if you're a female, when you marry into a family, you get a new name. If you are a true believer now, you were given a name by the family you were born into of the body of Christ. There is coming a day when we will be giving a new name in glory. So God here is causing you and I to understand something. It is not simply those people who claim to be his. It's those people who have been born into the kingdom. A number of years ago, God used one of my shortcomings to teach me a lesson. God ever do that to you? I had performed a wedding for a couple. When we got done that day, the wedding license got put on my desk, and normally I would sign it and give it to the secretary, and she would get it sent off and things taken care of, and stuff piled up and piled up on my desk, and the marriage license got buried. I'm not talking about yours. In 30 days, it's supposed to be mailed in. Because only when it's signed and mailed in did the marriage really happen. Several months have passed by, and I've finally gotten enough time. I began to dig through the piles on my desk. 
and I came to this marriage certificate sitting there on my desk for a marriage I had done four months earlier. And there it sat. There's even a big line across the bottom. $500 fine for failure to file this in 30 days. Like anybody else, I quickly thought, who can I blame on this? Finding nobody. I signed it. I put it in the envelope. And in that moment, the father said this to me. He said, legally, they just got married. Until now, all that has happened was a ceremony. And he said, there have been more times than you know I have had ceremonies with people that I never signed off on. Sometimes people boohoo at an altar and it really isn't about salvation. It really is all about I'm in a horrible mess and I just maybe this will work. when you understand something God the Father is preparing a bride for his son think about that for a moment and he sees our heart and I understood that day that there are times when people have gone to an altar and even the church may have been willing to say you're saved you're on your way to heaven Yet the father hasn't signed off because he knows why they really were there. If my people, you know, the ones that are called by my name, truly my people, there's a separation going on in the church world, the hot from the cold. There's a calling out to the the ones who will hear his voice like never before. A number of years ago, I preached a message called the time of provocation. God is, we are deep into that now where God is provoking you and I to make a choice. Choose you this day who you will serve. If God is God, serve him. If self be God, serve self. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. I can tell you, according to the scripture, why somebody won't pray. Because they have pride. You don't pray if you have pride. When you have pride, you think you can handle it. When you have pride, you don't need God. When you have pride, you only pray when you can't handle it. That's pride. 
Paul told us we should pray without ceasing. We should constantly be in a spirit and attitude of prayer. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. You could devastate somebody with your next words. Be careful what you say. The Bible says that, that the very footsteps of the righteous man are ordered of God. I've placed orders that never got delivered. Just because God orders your footsteps doesn't mean that every one of your footsteps is what God wanted. Some footsteps have, have led to alcohol abuse some footsteps have led to adultery those footsteps were not ordered of God God places the order but it's up to you and I to deliver that order and how will we know what the footsteps are unless we pray I won't share the whole long story with you but there was a time when God spoke to my heart about taking JJ to see a baseball game I didn't have tickets God said go I, I called them up. They said, we're sold out. We have no tickets. God said, go. I went down there. I went to the window and said, I want to buy some tickets. And she says, we're sold out. I said, listen, I don't even need a seat number. How about if I just give you 20 bucks? Let me in the door. I'll stand. I don't care. She said, sir, we're sold out. No. I said, God. I don't know what a scalper looks like. I've heard about them. I figured maybe I'd find one. I go out in, in all this rush and the game's 15 minutes from starting and there's all these people and I don't know, do you up, some, ask somebody, you a scalper? You a scalper? You a scalper? I don't know how, I don't know if they carry a sign. No tickets, no scalper. I don't know what they, I don't know what it is. So I'm standing there, and J.J. goes, Dad, are we getting in the game? I said, just hold on, son. I'm just doing what God told me to do. It's all right, God, I'm here. What am, I, what am I supposed to do? I don't have any tickets. I told my son, you told me to come here. I'm standing looking out at this sea of concrete, and the Lord tells me to walk over there. He shows me a spot on the concrete amongst all these people rushing and you know how it is the main gates of a game about to start I said J.D. come here he said where? I said we're supposed to go over here dad where we come here what are we doing here dad? I don't know I'm not trying to be funny he ordered the steps but I had to deliver the steps. I'm standing here. We're standing here two or three minutes, and these two ladies go walking by, and literally as they get right here, one of their phones ring, and she stops. I mean, she's like right here. Hello? What? Where are you guys? What? Oh, you have got to be kidding me. No. No, it's not okay. What am I supposed to do with these tickets? Oh, just forget it. She turns to her friend. They're not coming. 
I'm standing right here. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I, I wasn't trying to listen in on your phone call, but I, I couldn't help but hear it. I said, do you, she goes, do you want these tickets? I said, I'll pay. Here, just take them. And so I take these tickets, and we go in. I, I've never been to the ballpark, and, you know, they got letters and numbers on them. And I go down there. I'm one row from the field on the third base line. It's like, how did, I didn't pay a dime for him. I didn't pay a dime for him. And, and you know, listen to me for a moment. I'm saying that to say this, that God was using that to teach me something. He can order my footsteps, but I have to obey them. But if you don't ask him, you won't know what he wants out of you. He's saying here that my people, you, you know, not those fakers, the ones that are called by my name, they'll get rid of their stinking, ugly pride. And they'll pray to me about everything. Everything. My wife and I were offered to come here to this church. God hadn't told me nothing about coming here. We had just turned a corner where we're at. I told the overseer, no way. I am not the slightest bit interested in going to Streetsboro, Ohio. Thank you, goodbye. I get off the phone with him, and I go into the kitchen to make a cup of coffee, and I tell Gilbeth, I said, just off the phone with her. And, and, and this was a conversation, and she goes, I got a question for you. You pray about everything. Why didn't you pray about it? She's right. I don't know why I didn't. No, I do know why. Pride. I thought I had it all figured out. Come on. So being the man of great faith that I am, I gave her a smart-ass answer. Okay, you're right. You're right. I'll pray about it, and then I'll tell him no. That's exactly what I said. That's the part of me I'm working on. I go back into my office with my cup of coffee and go back to work. And I stopped working, and I stepped out and onto a little patio we had there. Sat down in the chair, and I said, okay, God, first off, I'm sorry. wondering how it ended up here we are pride will kill your prayer prayer will kill your pride God has one question in here it's an if my people you know the real ones not the fakers not the pretenders not the showmen, my people, the ones that have my name. They have my name because they've been born into my family. I'm their father, they're my daughter and my son. Those people, if those people will get rid of their pride, 
We'll get rid of their schemes and we'll get rid of their programs. If they'll pray. If those people will seek my face. Those people. He needs a church that seeks his face and not his hand. I used to go outside and just worship him. I just, to love on him. And then I, when I became a pastor and all the burden that comes with that, and I, I'll never forget as long as I live, it was a Monday morning and I'm at the, at the church and, and I'm praying about the service yesterday or the services yesterday and I'm praying about the people that were missing and I'm praying about the people that when I looked in their eyes, I was concerned about what I saw and I'm bringing their needs to the Lord and I'm, I'm just doing what a pastor's supposed to do, and, and it's like he's not there. You ever talk to somebody and you just know that they're, they may have, their eyes may be looking at you, but you can tell they're, look, they're thinking about a burrito right now, a Taco Bell burrito. I don't have to say it. He wasn't there. I was just filling the air with noise. And I got up off of my knees and I sat down in the first pew and I said, God, what's wrong? He said, you love ministry more than you love me. Like an idiot, I said, that's not right. And he said, son, that's all we ever talk about. And then he showed me something. I'm not going to go into all the details, but he showed me a, a glimpse of me in the top of a tree in the middle of the night. And I know exactly when that happened. It was in February in northern Ohio, and it was freezing cold. And I was just a young Christian, and I climbed to the top of the tree because, shoot, it seemed like maybe I could get closer to him up there. I know that's stupid, but my heart was in the right place. It's the thought that matters, isn't it? And in that tree, I just, I just loved on God, and I worshipped him, and I told him how I loved him, and I, 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 just, I, just, I just poured myself out. And I, I remember being concerned because it was so cold up there, and I'm just crying rivers, and I'm thinking, I might get frostbite on my face. But my face felt like it was burning red hot. That, that, that was years earlier. Now in this moment, he said, it's all we ever talk about. And in my mind... Some of you won't accept this. I'm just telling you the truth. In my mind, here, here was this picture of this dark landscape and this tree with no leaves on it and some little guy in the top of the tree that had my face on it looking up and crying like this. And he said, that's all we ever talk about. And I thought, that's been too long. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, pray, seek my face, and turn, listen, from their wicked ways. God, would you just help our president? Make him do the right thing. 
God, would you just help the Republicans? God, would you help the Democrats? God, would you work on the homosexuals? God, would you work on the white racists? God, would you work on the black racists? God, would you work on the atheists? God, would you work on the devil? God, would you work on the witches? God, would you work on all of those people? God, fix all of these people. They're so messed up, God. Fix all these people. God, why aren't you fixing these people? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Can I tell you a heart full of wickedness? Can I tell a holy God how to make wicked people holy? There is judgment coming upon this earth, but we forget that judgment begins in the house of God. He still needs a holy, separated people who know the power of a praying church, who knows that he is not waiting for this world to get its act together. He is waiting for the church to get its act together. He said, if those people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, there's an if then, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin. No, God, we weren't talking to you about us. We were talking about all those other nasty people out there. This is better than y'all letting on. God, we, we don't need you to work on us. We're fine. It's all them nasty people you need to fix. You know, those bad ones. Those really bad ones. That's, that's what's wrong with the world, God. It's the Republicans. It's the president, it's the World Health Organization, it's the pandemic, it's the blacks, it's the whites, it's the homosexuals, God, it's the witches, it's the atheists, it's the abortionists. Those people need fixed God. God says if my people, we're not hearing it, if my people, Mine, those the real ones that are called by my name will get out of their ugly pride and pray and quit seeking my hand look at me in the face and if my people that are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways we don't like this do we I know, you wanted me to beat up on somebody else. Then God says, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. You see, this is our planet. Come on, somebody get this. The Bible tells us that even to this day, all of nature groans 
hearts until the sons and daughters of God are revealed. God the Father is looking at the church. Nature, the creation of God the Father, is looking at the church. And we're trying to figure out if Bill Gates is trying to put a microchip in us. The only question in this entire verse is if. And it's looking at you and I. Now listen, there's a promise. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, that's the if. Here's the promise. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. That's an absolute. You put the coin in, not like our vending machine. We're about to get arrested for having a gambling machine downstairs. <laughs> I'm going to put my 75 cents in. I might get something, I might not. It's like the only thing missing is a big arm on the side of it. <laughs> oh, look, nothing again. Thank you for your donation. I'll just say that. So we'll answer the questions of the church. What is God's will for my life? Pray. I don't know what God wants me to do. Yes, you do. Pray. Can I tell you something? Nothing happens until you do that. I'm just waiting for God to open up a, a window so that I can step in and be a world healing evangelist. When's he going to do that? I'm called to fill in the blank. When's he going to do that? And he's saying, when are you going to pray? When are you going to pray? What does God want me to do? He wants you to pray. What is his will for my life? He wants you to pray. And I want to tell you as distinctly and clearly as I can ever tell you, you will never get step two that he's or ordered until you do step one. And here's step one. If you're a Christian, a real Christian, pray. Well, Pastor, God, I don't hear God. Listen to me for a moment. There is probably nobody in this room who understands about the need about hearing God. There is nobody in this room has shared that principle more than myself. There is nobody in this room, I suggest, that doesn't depend on that any more than I do. But I want to tell you, it doesn't start 
with you hearing God, it starts with God hearing you. And he told you to pray. He didn't promise in that first moment you'd hear from him, but he told you to pray. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I told you to do. He told us in the church to pray. To humble ourselves and pray. To turn from our evil ways and pray. He told us what we need to be doing is praying. And I want to tell you there will be a season in your life as you begin this journey with God that it, you're just being obedient because he said to be obedient. They that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We want God to be the Easter bunny with jelly beans. God, I prayed for five minutes. Give me my jelly bean. God, I prayed another couple minutes. Give me my jelly bean. You know what I'm talking about. Pastor, I don't understand. I prayed for this the other day and nothing happened. They that come, God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder that diligently seek him. want to hear his voice he says fine you'll hear my voice I want to hear yours first I already have established the fact I believe in you what has not been established is whether or not you believe in me come on he says I believe in you so much I wrote you a whole book now I want to hear from you if you really believe, you'll pray. If you're really one of mine, you'll pray. If something really did happen when you got saved, you'll pray. God, why don't you heal everybody? Why, why do you let bad things happen? God would say, why did you not pray? I don't know if I'll ever get to the place in my walk with God that everybody I pray for gets healed. But I can, I can tell you 100% of the prayers that never got answered. And they're the ones that I never prayed. Bill Johnson talked about in the early days of their ministry, they were disappointed because they felt like God had his hand on believers to pray for the sick and see them recover. I mean, the word of God says that, and, and they would pray for people and nobody would recover. And so they, they, they backed off praying for people for a while because it just seemed like it was hurting more than helping. Like a very long story short, he, he, he decided that he wasn't supposed to pray for people simply for the results he was to pray for people because God said to pray for people lay hands on the sick 
And it first started out, and maybe, maybe one out of 20, one out of 30 would get healed. And he said, and then we got distracted again, and we're, we're looking at the, the 29 that didn't. But we kept praying, and then pretty soon it wasn't one out of 30, it was two out of 30. And then later it was three, and then four, and, and then five, and it grew more and more. When was the last time you, you witnessed to somebody? You shared God with them. Can I tell you, the pump is primed. As it grows darker, the light of the church is shining brighter. People are aware that the government can't save us. The government can't protect us. The government can't supply all of our needs. They're looking for someone and something they can depend on. And you and I need to be the fence post or the signposts that point to Jesus. We need to be opening our mouth. We need to be praying. Not everybody you lay hands on will get sick, will get healed from their sickness. But I'll tell you what, more will get healed than if you don't pray. And we were simply told to pray. And so we need to ask the same question that God is asking. If. It's a corporate question. It's a personal question. If. If Mike Rice prays. If James prays, if I'm his and I'm called by his name, then I need to humble myself. I need to get out of this idea that I can handle this, God. I'll just come to you for the big stuff. And he's trying to tell us all of it's big stuff. Every idle word you will give an account of. Your very footsteps have been ordered by me. I know I, I, I've, I've probably grown to frustrate some people that live with or have to work with me because normally I had a plan and a routine. Every week it was going to be, I'm a routine guy. Anybody with me? It's going to be doom, doom. And I'll even get asked at 10 o'clock at night, what's your plans for tomorrow? I don't know. I'm not trying to be stupid. I'm finally getting smart. I'll get up in the morning and I'll start my day. What's on your heart today, Father? Listen to me. Because yesterday was the day that the Lord had made, but it's gone. Today's the day he's made. So when I get into today, I'll ask him. This is okay. That's, that's called humility. I don't know what. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to ask him. He may tell me I, I need to. I just need to get away with him. He may tell me to change my plans. He may tell me. He may tell me. He may tell me. I got to humble myself and say, what, "What's your plan?" I had somebody recently throw me a text. They wanted some advice about a matter. I was ready. 
I'll give you some advice about that. Hold on a minute. Let me pray first. I had I had a lot to share with them. Until God said, go ahead and share what you want to share. And mess up everything that I'm trying to do. Do you know how hard it is to keep your mouth shut sometimes? Turn to the person next to you and say, I know exactly what he's talking about. I know exactly what he's talking about. It's sometimes hard just to keep your mouth shut. Stand to your feet, church. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.